Well, happy Father's Day, men. Hope you're having a great time. Uh, ladies, I'm going to be speaking primarily to the men today, but I'll also be speaking to you. But because it's Father's Day weekend, I will be focusing primarily on the men. I um, want to talk about fighting today. Okay, good, good manly topic. Um, I, I read a book a few weeks ago titled Fearless. Ladies, if you're still looking for that perfect Father's Day book to give the men in your life, I would strongly recommend this book. It's about Adam Brown. Adam Brown grew up in northwest Arkansas. He, he was that crazy kid that most of us new in high school, the one that never could pass up a dare. Um, once he jumped out of a moving car over a bridge into water below in the middle of the night, he was that guy, you know? Well, his, his sense of adventure, his craziness took a wrong direction in his late teens and early 20s. He, he tried out crack cocaine, and after his first hit, he was addicted. It, it just about ruined his life. It caused wave after wave of grief for his family, his family of origin, as well as his immediate family, his wife and his kids. He almost died from his addiction. Um, he gave his life to Jesus Christ, went in and out of rehab, had a few relapses. Eventually, he joined the Navy and became a Navy SEAL. Um, through his training and through some of his missions, he lost his dominant eye, his right eye. He lost the tips of his, his shooting hand, his right hand. He had to learn how to shoot with his left hand and how to be a Navy SEAL with just one eye. He reached the upper echelon of the SEAL teams. He became a member of SEAL Team 6. He went on to give his life for his family and for his country. Adam Brown is a hero. He's a hero in every way. Not only was he a fighter against evil, he also fought for good. He got lots of shoes, 500 pairs of shoes for kids in, in Afghanistan. He was that guy. Well, why do men like these kind of stories? I mean, I eat this stuff up. When I get in a good book about a Navy SEAL, I can't even put it down. I believe it's because we were meant to be fighters. We were meant to be warriors. It says in Exodus chapter 15, verse 3, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Um, Jesus shows us what God is like when God puts on flesh. And so often because of the artwork of Jesus, we picture him as being uh, this guy from, say, northern Europe, and he's got long golden hair, and he's got a lamb around his shoulders, and he's walking through town handing out candy to kids. And, and Jesus was Jesus meek and mild. He was humble and gentle. Humble meaning he put the interests of others ahead of himself. Gentle meaning he restrained his strength on behalf of others. But Jesus also was fierce. Jesus also was a warrior. Um, most scholars guess he was about five feet, eight inches tall, the average height back then for a Jewish male, 140, 150 pounds. But he was a stonemason, a carpenter, who worked with stone and hammers every single day. So he had upper body strength. He walked thousands of miles in his lifetime throughout the hills of Israel. So he had the legs of an ultramarathon runner. And he had a fierceness about him. In John chapter 8, Jesus is preaching to a crowd, and they ask him, who are you? And he says, I am. Every Jewish person in the first century knew exactly what he was saying. It's the story of Moses in the burning bush in the book of Exodus, where, where Moses asked God, who shall I tell the pharaohs that has sent me? And God says, I am. I am that I am. And so people knew that Jesus was claiming to be God in that moment. And it says that they picked up stones to stone him, but he walked through the crowd. And you kind of get the idea that they, they were looking at him going, I don't think I want to mess with this guy. Um, this is the Jesus of the New Testament. Yes, meek and mild, but also a fierce warrior. Uh, many of us know the story uh, of Jesus going Bruce Lee in the temple. Uh, the, the business guys in Jerusalem had turned the temple into an outlet mall. And Jesus seeing this and realizing that the temple had built, been built by God to be a house of prayer 
got a bullwhip, started going through this outlet mall, turning over the tables and running the businessmen out of his father's house. This is Jesus. He was fierce. He was courageous. He was a warrior. And his men were called to be warriors as well. Um, in the future, we're going to see even more of his strength. It says in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 13 and 15 through 16. This is at the end of time. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is a vision of Jesus in the future. This is a vision of Jesus coming back on his white steed, dipped in blood, bringing justice to the nations, holding people accountable for the injustice they've committed, and bringing a new heaven and a new earth together, a restored kingdom, a kingdom full of the justice of God. Jesus was a warrior. And then you and I have been made in his image. We have been made and created by God to fight battles, to fight for what is good and against what is evil. Uh, this, is why, this is why in that scene of Braveheart, we all got fired up when uh, William Wallace, he goes in front of his, his fellow Scotchman and he, he, he begins to challenge them to go to war against the English. And they're, they're looking at this English army that outnumbers them three to one and all the technology of the English army. They're like, no, we're going to run. And he says this with his sword ahead of, over his head. He says, run and you may live. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for just one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. You know you got fired up when that happened, right? My, my wife told me to put this down before I hurt myself. Um, but if you were like me, and I know you are, there's a part of you as a man that goes, man, I want to fight. I want to get up, and I want to take on hell with a squirt gun because we were made to fight. Okay, before I continue with this motif, a, a couple of caveats. Ladies, I want to speak to you. Please remember, it's Father's Day. I'm primarily speaking to the men, but you also were made to fight. You are warrior S's. You also bear the image of God. But there's something about a male uh, in terms of our identity where we, we tend to identify more closely with this motif of the warrior than women typically do. But we're all called to be warriors and warrior S's. We're all called, men and women alike, to fight for what's right and against what is wrong. But I'm going to talk to the guys some more. Okay, so what are the right fights? Uh, right after William Wallace, he... Uh, he, he comes back to his friend, the Irishman, that crazy guy, kind of like Adam Brown, that crazy guy that always wants to get in the fight and do crazy stuff. And, and, and the Irishman says to him, nice speech. What are we going to do now? And then William Wallace with his sword, he, he sheathes his sword and he goes off and he says, I'm going to pick a fight. Well, we have to be sure we're picking the right fights as men and as women. So I'm going to share with you three fights every man and every woman needs to pick. Um, the first one is the fight against our own sin and selfishness. We've got to fight against the sin and the selfishness within us. That is our greatest battle. Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote, The line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every 
human heart. The most important fight we'll ever fight is the fight against the evil within us. The Bible calls it our sinful nature, our selfish nature, our ego nature, that, that part of us that's tempted to misuse our power, our, our anger, that, that part of us that wants to pursue vainglory and the lust of the human heart. Um, Jesus said that part of us we need to go to war against every single day. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So often we think of our cross as being COVID-19 or a health issue. And that, that certainly might be something we can include in the carrying of our cross. But the primary meaning of this text is that every day we need to carry our cross and we need to crucify with Jesus our sinful, selfish, egotistical nature. It has to die, and it has to die every single day. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Samson, very strong man, man's man kind of guy, um, always killed the bad guys. He was known for his strength and his, his prowess as a fighter. But most of his life, he failed to fight the most important fight, and that was the fight within himself. And so he used his great strength to pursue his sexual addictions and to pursue vainglory. It wasn't until the very end of his life that he finally got it right. We must fight the fight within us. We must fight the battle against the darkness of sin within us and the battle for the light of God that he wants to shine through us. We've got to fight the battle within us. We'll talk more in a second about how to do that. Um, the second fight that every man needs to pick is the fight for our families. Uh, the book of Nehemiah is a phenomenal book about leadership. Uh, it, it opens with this dystopic scene. The, the people of Israel that had been banished from Israel and had been deported to Babylon, think modern-day Baghdad and Iraq. 50 years later, they're allowed to come back, and, and they come back to a city that is in ruins. There's no wall. There's no homes. The temple of Solomon, this magnificent temple, had been leveled to the ground, and they were tasked to rebuild it. And so Nehemiah does a very smart thing. As a leader, he puts, he puts every family in front of the part of the wall where they will likely build their businesses back up and have their homes. And then uh, they, were, they were waging battle against the Samaritans who did not want them to return. They were mocking them and threatening them and threatening to take them to war. And so in Nehemiah 4.14, Nehemiah says this. He says to the men, fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Fight for your families. As men and as women, those of us who are married and have families, we must fight for our families. God has made it very, very clear that our first priority is our relationship with God. If you're married, your second biggest priority is your relationship to your spouse, then your family, then your ministry, then your career and everything else. And so we need to fight for our families. It begins with us fighting for our relationship with God. Because if we're not fighting that battle and staying close to God, we're not going to have the strength and the love and the fruits of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit in our lives that we need to bless our marriages and our families. But we also have to fight for our marriages. I mean, every, almost every week, it seems like, I, I have conversations with somebody whose marriage is going south. Just yesterday, I talked to a guy who, who's probably going to go through a divorce. And some of the saddest conversations I ever have are with men who, who get to that point and they realize they didn't do enough. When, when things got bad, they didn't fight for their marriages. They didn't fight for their families. We've got to fight for our marriages. If the, if the marriage falls apart, the family falls apart. 
So we have to do the things we need to do to stay close to our wives. But we have to be men of God who, who stay close to God so we can be close to our wives, have the, so we have the love that we need in our hearts to give to them. We have to do the date nights, and we have to have the conversations, and we have to pursue intimacy when we're tired. We have to go on, on getaways as couples. We have to fight for our marriages. We have to go to therapy when we're going through a rough patch. And then we have to fight for our kids. As men and as women, we, they're watching us. The sermon that they are watching and receiving primarily is not the one they hear from our lips, but the one they see in our lives. So are they seeing us reading our Bibles and pursuing God through spiritual disciplines? Are they seeing us using our gifts to minister to others? Do they see us making church a priority? If you want to make an impact on your kids, and I know we're sheltering still in place to some degree and we can't be in our building, but tell your kids, hey, we go to church every weekend. We go to church online. It's what we do. And no matter what, we're going to do it. This is what we do as a family. They need to see you making that commitment. If you have smaller kids, they need to see you taking them to kids online. And I'm going to be honest, this is where I've been failing as a father. I've not been watching kids online with my kids. And that's one of my primary applications of this message. I need to do that with them and talk to them about it afterwards. Um, if you have students, middle school, high school students, make sure they're, be, they're going to our middle school and high school ministries, to our small groups. If you don't know how to do that, go to our website. We'll help you out. But as parents, we have to spiritually nurture our kids. We have to prepare them for the spiritual battles that lie in front of them. We've got to fight for our families. The third fight that everyone needs to pick, men and women, is the fight for justice. We've got to pick a fight whenever we see injustice. I've been watching the movie Just Mercy with Michael Jordan, the, the actor, not the basketball player. And it's based on a true story. The story of a black man who goes to Harvard, gets his law degree, and chooses to go to the South and fight for men who are in death row, but unjustly. And I'm only halfway through this film, but I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to get my hate on. Um, I am appalled at the injustice of, of white men and what they did to the black men in this movie. And to the white men who, when they saw injustice happening, they just looked the other way. Uh, men, we, we've got to fight for justice. And the, the primary justice issue that's in front of all of us right now is the, the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, I'm not speaking about the organization. Candidly, I don't know much about the organization. But here's what I do know. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. And in, our, in the black community and our black brothers and sisters, they're, they're just wanting us to say to them, you matter. We see you, we see your pain, we recognize for 400 years you've been enslaved, you've been oppressed. There is, to this day, systemic injustice and racism throughout our country. We see you, we hear you, we care about you. One, one black comedian I, I watched recently as I've been trying to learn all I can, he, he really helped me. You, you know, what I've, I've become really aggravated at is when, when white people say all lives matter. And I get it. I, I, that's true. It is true. All lives matter. We all bear the image of God. I get it. But this black comedian said, it's kind of like if you're a man and your wife comes to you and she says, hey, honey, do you love me? Do you love me? And, and you say, honey, I love all people. Well, you're kind of missing the point. I know if Chris had came to me and said, do you love me? And I said, oh, honey, I love all people. I'd probably spend the night on the couch, okay? Because I'm, I'm being tone deaf. I'm missing the point. Yes, all lives matter. But right now, black people are saying, but do I matter? Do we matter? 
Do you see us? Do you love us? Will you fight for justice for us? That's what they're saying. And every one of us has to decide, what will we do? What will we do given the current injustice that we're faced with right now? I believe God is doing something special right now. He wants to see black people have more justice. He wants them to know they matter. So as white people, we got to use our platforms and our, our resources to help them. Here's what I'm doing. I've been talking to black pastors this week about... One, I've been inviting them to look at our, our, our culture as a church, our mission statement, our values, and, and just ask, I've been asking them to show me where maybe I'm using language or doing things that are not inclusive. And I've been asking them, how can we help you? What resources can we use to help you succeed right now and experience more of the justice of God? So men and women, we've been called by God to be fighters. We've been called by God to be warriors and warrioresses. And so we got to train for battle. How do we do that? How do we fight? Well, first of all, we're going to fight for what's right and against what's wrong. We got to train. Who who would get into a major fight knowing that it's going to happen without training for it, right? Um, I've been thinking about this in light of some things that have happened to me in the last few years. If you're new to restoration, and and many of you are, and and I want to say thank you so much for becoming recently a, a part of the Restoration family. We haven't met you yet physically, but we know you're with us online, and we thank you so much. A couple stories that uh, might give you an idea about how I'm thinking right now about uh, my need to train to fight. Uh, in, in December, I had a meth addict at 4.30 in the morning in the dark threaten me. I don't know if he wanted to kill me, but I know he wanted to harm me. And, and by God's grace, I outran him. <laughs> Didn't take up the sword, but I outran him. And then uh, about four years ago, uh, Chris and I went on a date, and we came back home, and, and the gate was open, the door was open, and there were burglars in the house. And I don't know what came over me. I just, like, saw red. Uh, my mind stopped working. I went in the house after the burglars, not really thinking to myself, what am I going to do if I actually catch them? And so I, I, I made a vow to a friend recently that I'm going to take some Krav Maga lessons um, and I know some of you guys are going to email me and go, you should do jujitsu, okay? I, I want to be able to defend other people primarily if somebody attacks with a weapon. And so I made a vow to a friend. I'm going to learn like the top 10 moves, and I'm going to master those moves, and, and I'm going to practice them on a somewhat regular basis just in case I ever need to defend other people and possibly myself. Well, it's important to be able to fight physically, but hopefully most of us will never be in a physical fight, right? I hope I never get in a physical altercation. Hope you don't either. Chances are we're not. But you know what? Every single day, we're going to be in spiritual fights. That's a guarantee. I want to speak to men again. Every day, you're going to be tempted to misuse your anger. Every day, you're going to be tempted to pursue vainglory. Every day, you're going to be tempted to be greedy and selfish and to be a coward. Every day you're going to face temptations. Are you ready to fight them? When the enemy comes against you, are you prepared spiritually to fight? We're we're told in 1 Timothy 4, 7, we're to train ourselves to be godly. We've got to train for these battles. You know, the strongest man in the world, by the way, is not the guy who can lift the most weight or beat up all the bad guys. The strongest man in the world is the godliest man in the world who has the most resources and the greatest training to be able to fight against evil inside of himself and outside of himself every single day. And so I want to challenge you guys. And uh, I know many of you are grilling today. Uh, I want to get in your grill just a little bit, okay? Many of you will train your butts off to do the Leadville 100 or the triple bypass 
or you'll get coaching and you will get up very early in the morning to, to work on your golf game or to improve your leadership skills so you can accumulate more wealth. But you want to get up 15 minutes early to pray and read your Bibles. To actually train yourself for the fights you'll face that day. To train yourself spiritually to be able to protect your family from spiritual battles and your friends from spiritual battles. You got to train. You got to read your Bible. You got to pray. You need to, you need to be in a group with other men who can equip you or further down the road in the journey than you are. That They will help you and train you and equip you to fight spiritual battles. You've got to train. Will you do it? Will you take this seriously? Will you train yourself to be godly? If we're going to be good fighters, we're going to fight against what is evil and for what is right, we've we got to train ourselves. We've got to be equipped. Um, the second thing is we've got to learn to use love as a weapon. Um, our, our primary weapon is not this. It's not a sword. It's not a gun. It's not our fist. It's not a rant on social media. Our, our primary weapon is love. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4, it says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. You know what our primary weapon is? It's the love of God. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I want to close by just sharing a few simple ways we we can use love as a weapon. We can conquer evil with good. Um, One is you could lead a small group of middle school, high school students. Uh, Right now, we've got a lot of students. We have more students than we have small groups for them. And I don't know any more strategic group of people than middle school and high school students. 80% of all people come to Christ, come to faith between the ages of like zero to 18. I can't think of a better way for us to, to expend our energies and our resources than on that age group. But primarily middle school and high school students, because every single day they are facing so many temptations. We need people right now who will, who will lead middle school and high school groups and help these young men and women fight the spiritual battles. They fight every day and to prepare them for a future of, of walking in the ways of Jesus. This is one way we can use love as a weapon. Another thing you can do is you can share your story. You have a story. Every one of you who follows Jesus, you have a Jesus story, and you can use that story to help a coworker or a neighbor or a friend. By sharing your story of what Jesus is doing in your life, what he's done in the past in your life, you just might help somebody veer off the course of an eternity without Jesus. You might actually save them and give them eternal life by simply sharing your story. God wants to use you to reach your friends and your family members and your coworkers. Um, that's a way you can use love as a weapon. Uh, maybe you're on an elevator. You're a white guy. You're on an elevator. Black guy's in the elevator. There's a white guy in the elevator. And, and the white guy covers up his watch. Maybe it's an Omega or a Rolodex. He covers up his watch. And you notice this. How do you use love as a weapon? You get off the elevator, even if it's not your floor, and you talk to that white guy, and you get in his grill, and you challenge him, and you say, I saw what you did. Do you have any idea what you, what you were doing when you covered up your watch? You were signaling to that black guy that he's dangerous, that maybe he's a thief just because he's black. Now, that guy may punch you in the nose, but that's how you use love as a weapon. You speak up for justice. We are to use love as a weapon. This was the way of Jesus. Let me close with this passage. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. It says, He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, 
which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Let me break this down. It's saying that Jesus went to the cross to forgive our sin. Without forgiving sin, he could never destroy evil because sin leads to death. He also triumphed over the spirits in the heavenly realm, the demonic spirits that war against us every single day. You see, evil has one very simple goal, and that's death. Death in all of its forms. But ultimately, what spiritual evil wants for us is eternal death. Jesus went to the cross to take death away, to defeat the enemy, our spiritual enemy, the devil himself. And when he rose from the dead, he made it possible for us to rise from the dead as well and to defeat evil and its goal of death forever and ever. Jesus did not fight evil with evil. Jesus did not power up and use his strength against the devil. Jesus used love. He used love and he went to the cross to defeat evil forever. And right now we have some guerrilla war that we have to participate in. We got some battles that we have to face. But one day he's going to come back and he will destroy evil once and for all. We are on the winning side. So my friends, let's be warriors. Let's be warrior S's. And let's fight for what is right. Let's fight against what is wrong. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the calling on our lives. We are made in your images. We are made to be warriors and warrior S's. You have made us to fight the evil inside of us and be victorious. You've made us to fight for our families. You've made us to fight for justice. And so we commit ourselves to train for battle. And we promise you as your followers, as your church, that our weapon will be love. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak briefly to those of you who, if you're honest right now, you would say that you've been trying to fight the battle within you, but you've been losing, and you're not sure what to do next. I want to encourage you right now to surrender, maybe for the first time, or maybe you need to return to Jesus and surrender in a fresh way. The only way you can defeat the evil inside of you and the evil outside of you is with his help. If you surrender your life to him, and receive his gospel of grace. His promise is to put his Holy Spirit inside of you and help you have the power you need to fight the battles you're facing. And so right now, pray with me. Jesus, I give you my life for yours. I believe you went to the cross to forgive my sin and to triumph over evil and to give me eternal life. And so right now I receive these gifts and I ask that you place your Holy Spirit inside of me. I'm giving you my life for yours. Help me fight, help me win. If this is your prayer, say amen. Just say amen right now, wherever you are. If you're on the chat, raise your hand. Let us know you just made that commitment. If you're not on the chat, please email me. Uh, my, web, my, uh, my email is on our website. And let me know because we want to help you take some next steps. And if you just gave your life to Jesus Christ, if you just received the gift of his Holy Spirit and salvation, or you haven't weeks, months, even decades ago, but you haven't taken the second step every follower of Jesus must take, which is to get baptized we have a baptism coming up in just a couple weeks. I want to encourage you to go to our website, sign up for our baptism. We're going to have a baptism party. We want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. I want to thank you so much for listening today. Hope you're having a great Father's Day weekend. 
I love you guys so much. If this message helped you, please uh, share it and uh, invite a friend for next week. Love you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.